In this episode of the People Process Technology Podcast, I speak with Seba Schneider from the Software Assurance Maturity Model, Carlos Ogura and Sven Schleier from the Mobile Security Testing Guide, and Bjorn Kimenich from the Juice Shop Project. This is part of an ongoing podcast series highlighting the OWASP flagship projects that will be featured at the OWASP 20th Anniversary Celebration in September. I talk with the project leads to hear what they've been working on for the past year, what their plans are for the coming year, and what we can expect to see at the conference in September. Support for this broadcast is provided by OWASP, celebrating 20 years of making software safer. OWASP hosts their 24-hour 20th Anniversary Celebration in September. Head to 20thanniversary.owasp.org for your free ticket. And with support from Jupiter One, who believes that security is a basic right to every person, company, and enterprise. Security begins with cyber asset visibility and includes understanding the relationships between those assets. Get started with your free lifetime license at jupiterone.com. Today's episode begins with Seba Schneider, project lead for the Software Assurance Maturity Model, or SAM. The mission of this OWASP flagship project is to provide an effective and measurable way for you to analyze and improve your security development lifecycle. SAM supports the complete software lifecycle and is technology and process agnostic. It was built to be evolutive and risk-driven in nature, as there is no single recipe that works for all organizations. The conversation starts with Seba talking about what his team has accomplished in the past year. The last year, what we've really done is, as we released uh, the 2.0 version the beginning of last year, is really doing lots of promotion around it. So uh, we've done a lot of conference talks, chapter talks, um, even some trainings uh, on SAM 2.0. That's, I would say, the, the was the majority of the work last year. And then besides that, we sat together with the core team last November to think of, okay, what's our next step? What's, what's uh, after 2.0? We came up with a, um, with a roadmap on what to do uh, with, okay, how are we going to evolve some into uh, next iterations? Uh, what's missing, what can be improved. So uh, definitely going to cover a little bit of detail there uh, during the 20th anniversary. Um, and then in terms of um, practical implementations, um, we have started translating some uh, in, uh, in a couple of languages. Been working mostly on the plumbing behind that uh, to, uh, to support that. The OWASP SUM lives on a GitHub repository, which we now move to a separate organization to split it up in separate repositories. Uh, we're going to use branching with GitFlow and use semantic versioning so that every time we have, I would say, small fixes, typos, that we can actually already release a 2.1, 2.11, and so on. Uh, but also have separate versions for every other output so that you can, when you release a PDF version, a website version, or a tool version, that it has its, I would say, separate uh, releases and that it's not one big repository anymore. So that's, that's the plumbing work, I would say, behind the scenes. 
but it will help us uh, as we as it helped us in releasing some to the dough in working more iteratively and together with the community on the different parts, the moving parts around some. Has the model been updated this year? I mean, what's the difference in 2.0? No. So uh, between uh, between last year and now, the model has not been updated. Uh, apart from some small typos that have been fixed, uh, it has not changed. The outreach was the most important thing, translating, getting translating done. Uh, also figuring out how to include mapping of different uh, some activities and maturity levels to, to for instance, BSIM or to other standards or frameworks on how to do that. We figured out how to do that, how to structure that with underlying YAML files. So the one of the first steps we're going to do, and we hopefully we're going to release prior to the 20th anniversary, is mapping the other OWASP projects to certain, some uh, activities and practices. We've been uh, wanting to do that for, for, a long, for a long time, and this is actually something we now can do and, uh, and hopefully will deliver by, uh, by September. What we've also done is in May, we've done a some user day like we did last year. We had a some user day last year with lots of lots of people. And this year we've done it again. I think people are a little bit uh, bored of doing online events. We had less <laughs> online participation, but it was a smaller setup. Uh, so I've been also doing a spring user day and a fall user day. So we'll be doing one in, uh, in fall as well. The um, other thing I'd like you to talk about too is the idea of training using the model. Uh, it's great that you bring that up. Uh, we've, I, I would say we're a little bit of a guinea pig between, uh, between in OWASP Foundation in the sense that we've started a first OWASP grant project where we're actually uh, creating a train the trainer package uh, of, uh, for some. Um, actually, uh, one of our, um, I would say, users and users of, um, uh, of some uh, is paying for that. Uh, and we have uh, John DeLeo, uh, one, of the, one of our core team members, together with a couple of other team members, working on a train-the-trainer package, which is going to be first created for that particular sponsor, but then is going to be opened up uh, also in open source uh, so that all materials can be used for anyone who wants to do a training on some for a, for a broader audience. So trying to scale it up, making it, I would say, more available towards other trainers that uh, want to train about some. When we're thinking about the 20th anniversary celebration for OWASP in September, what do you and the team plan on doing? Well, um, I, I hope Brian is listening to this. So we'll, we'll hopefully have a, a, I would say, a very concrete plan on the benchmark track. If there's two things that are really go going to be important in the next couple of years for some, that is benchmarking and tooling to support both some assessment roadmaps and comparing with benchmark data. That, together with, I would say, keeping the model up to date in small iterations is, the, is what we plan for in the next couple of, uh, couple of years. Thanks for the project. It's it's doing great uh, and look forward to seeing it in September. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Mark. The next flagship project we'll hear from is the Mobile Security Testing Guide with project leaders Carlos Hogura and Sven Schleier. The mission of the project is to define the industry standard for mobile application security. MSTG is a security standard for mobile apps 
and a comprehensive testing guide that covers the processes, techniques, and tools used during a mobile app security test, as well as an exhaustive set of test cases that enables testers to deliver consistent and complete results. The project includes mobile app security requirements and verification and the mobile app security checklist. I asked Sven about the progress of the project in the past year. What we've been working on, or maybe just briefly, um, we have two projects actually. So one is the MASVS, which is the requirements document that we are creating, the mobile AppSec verification standard. And we have the MSTG, the mobile security testing guide, which is outlining those requirements into technical test cases. So just that we're on all on the same page from what of our project actually is all about. So it's, it's a, mainly a documentation project. And it's already out there now for five years. And um, last year or in the last year before all the Corona craziness was um, starting, we were still spreading the word about the project. So was um, also joining conferences like the EPSEC Day in New Zealand, OVASP Seasides in Goa, which are really nice conferences, still doing trainings and talks. Um, but then afterwards, of course, when Corona was starting, then we were shifting also into more virtual environments, also did things for the OVASP Stammtisch um, Hamburg, for example. So we're doing a lot of um, trainings, for example, pro bono, also talks at OVASP conferences, also at other conference conferences, just to spread the word around it. As part of this, usually a lot of smaller um, initiatives are also starting. So for our MASVS project, this is now already being translated into, I think, 12 different languages. And for example, when I was um, at the OVASP Seasides in Goa, um, someone just took the initiative of translating it into Hindi. So therefore, a lot of dynamic is, is starting just by interacting either virtually or, of course, on-site with folks when we are presenting um, around our project. One thing that happened um, also last year is that um, one of our former project leads, Jeroen Williamson, left the team, unfortunately. But um, yeah, he was doing a lot of amazing work for us and was really supporting to us in a, in, a in a really good way. And it was really a pleasure to work with him. I mean, he specifically gave us a lot of impulse for our, for our old, old build pipeline. So we have our own pipeline that is creating all the documentation. Um, the PDFs and Word documents out of our markdown that we are that we are creating for the MSTG and MASVS. And last year he was giving us the impulse to create a new one <clears throat> because it was simply needed because the, our translations were increasing and we simply had so much manual steps still being involved. And as part of this, we could finally pull off then at the beginning of this year, um, a new documentation build pipeline in GitHub, so with GitHub Actions. So we now just have a Docker um, container that is helping us to create PDF, Word, and different kind of formats um, from our markdown into these formats. And um, this is now completely automated. So the only thing we need to do is make a GitHub tag, trigger the GitHub Action, and within two minutes, we have 12 translations with n different formats and everything is completely um, nicely formatted and no manual intervention is needed. So this is one significant thing that we did in the last year because this finally allows us to focus um, again more on the content because we were always struggling also with these kind of releases, which I think a lot of documentation projects do. And also the checklist automation. So um, Carlos specifically was pulling together some Python scripts that were able to really generate um, a checklist. So this is a an Excel sheet that is combining the requirements of the MASVS 
and is linking them to the technical test cases, which um, helps um, developers, for example, to have all the requirements in one sheet. Also, pen testers to have a really proper methodology that they can go through. And this is also now just with pure Python magic. So everything is completely automated. So I think in that sense, we did a lot of automation, had a lot of more translations of the MASVS and can now this year and following on, I think, shift them a little bit more and focus more on the content, I would say. Carlos, as we're thinking about the coming year, as we're coming out of COVID now, what is uh, your plan for the year as far as the project is concerned? Nothing specifically uh, related to COVID or not COVID. Uh, we really hope we, we can uh, be part of, of physical conferences again, uh, which is uh, really fun. Uh, but apart from that, as, as Sven anticipated, we will focus on the content and, and not only that, but uh, to make it more uh, accessible. Um, we are planning mostly three things or three areas, which is uh, a big facelift, we are going through the MASVS and the MSTG, and we will uh, have a very big uh, refactor of both. Uh, we are analyzing that everything, uh, so everything right now. And for instance, uh, we want to make both documents accessible programmatically because uh, nowadays you uh, need a lot of uh, automation and uh, also for testing. So it would be very useful for uh, everyone. To be able to access our information on this on this way, on be able to, we will be able to derive statistics on usage of tooling, usage of techniques, etc. And uh, on the other side, uh, for the MESVS, we are completely revamping it and rethinking it from the ground up. So we are taking everything apart and really uh, questioning ourselves why is it in there and thinking it new if some requirements shouldn't be there, should be reformulated, or even should be part of other projects like the web security testing guide or well, the ASVS. Um, that's the second big point, like uh, project integration. So we are working with these other projects and we will keep doing that. For instance, the ASVS, uh, WSTG and the SKF. And uh, we try to achieve uh, the best uh, integration possible OWASP cross project. Uh, and for the last point uh, we want to address this year is transparency. Since uh, we became the industry standard, we want to make our decisions and our actions more, even more transparent to the community. So we will be start working on that in the next months. What do you plan to show at the 20th anniversary celebration in September? That's a pretty exciting event. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, we will more or less, I would say, giving a status update of whatever was Carlos, of whatever Carlos was just sharing, of course. Um, if we already have maybe some, some updates in terms of the MASVS, we will definitely share this. Otherwise, it's basically um, a lot of nice, I would say, mobile hacking demos, of course. We just do not want to go only the theory from the MASVS and the requirements. So there are, of course, very um, nice tools such as Frida that allows the dynamic instrumentation of mobile apps. And just want to show also people that um, certain things can be kind of easy because sometimes 
when it goes down this this technically then it's sometimes simply overwhelming and people do not know where to start especially if they have maybe only experience in web app testing but simply something is blocking them in order to really dive deep into mobile and i think this session is also more or less about maybe beginners that might want to to start with mobile and to enable them of where they can actually start where are the resources that can help to to come up to speed and doing a mix of theoretical and practical and simply yeah, as I was saying, some nice mobile hacking demos, definitely. All right. Well, thank you to you both for all the work that you're doing. Congratulations on being a flagship project. And I wasn't aware that you're an industry standard now. So that is very big, very big. So congratulations. <laughs> we will see you in September. Thanks a lot. Thank very much. Thanks for the invitation. Thanks, Mark. Our final flagship project in this episode is Juice Shop, an insecure web application for training led by project lead Bjorn Kimenich. It's probably the most modern and sophisticated insecure web application. Juice Shop can be used in security trainings, awareness demos, CTFs, and as a guinea pig for security tools. It encompasses vulnerabilities from the entire OWASP top 10, along with many other security flaws found in real-world applications. JuShop is written in Node.js, Express, and Angular. It was the first application written entirely in JavaScript, listed in the OWASP VWA directory. We begin with the updates to the project in the past year. Yeah, we've actually done quite a lot. I had to look up through the uh, release list on GitHub to to actually find the, the highlights. So first, we actually finished our uh, user interface uh, redesign slash facelift, um, except for one screen, but I'm coming back to that later. We also added a new very beginner-friendly uh, mode called uh, tutorial mode, where you can basically uh, force the user to go through our three levels of tutorials before the entire scoreboard is unlocked and you can basically see all the 100 challenges can be quite daunting for new uh, users who, are, who just want to take a look what's what's up in the juice shop right so it's it's a bit easier to and uh, more better accessible for, for for beginners we also did some behind the scenes stuff uh, for example we added a, a solution webhook that's basically pretty simple you can pass a webhook into the juice shop when you start it. And whenever a challenge gets solved, we notify that webhook what challenge it was and who actually solved it, etc. And that uh, is already used by our own uh, multi-juicer platform. And it's also, I think it's still planned to be used by the uh, security knowledge framework from OWASP. So they actually want to use it when they run juice shop as a lab internally and to actually manage the progress of the SKF user. And even more behind the scenes, we, com we completely replaced our CI-CD pipeline in the last, last 12 months. So we now do everything with GitHub Actions, which is working brilliantly, to be honest. And we also added something called uh, cheat detection, mostly, mostly aimed at trainers and uh, 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 lecturers for university uh, classes, for example. So when you solve a challenge and you solve the next challenge too fast, then we assume that you probably cheated and we calculate some score, uh, how likely it is that you cheated, depending on the, the difficulty of the, of the next challenge that you solved and some 
some logic combining different challenges and stuff like that. So, and we actually rate this also in the solution payload, uh, webhook payload, so that if you are uh, giving a training, you can get an idea if some of your participants are just going through the online solutions and just click, uh, clicking around and not really doing stuff. That's fun, that's fun. Yeah. And we also participated last year in Google Summer of Code with a nice project that gave us a new support chatbot, which is pretty awesome. It's not that smart, but uh, it's totally broken. So you can do some remote code execution against it and shut it down, which is of course another hacking challenge. With all the stuff you did this year, what's on the roadmap for next year? We just launched into Google Summer of Code again for, for this year's edition. Now uh, with two students, actually. So uh, Tina, our first student, will completely redesign, redesign the scoreboard. That was actually the only component we didn't take care of last year. If you know the juice shop, the, the scoreboard is really, really complex. It's not so user-friendly when you, when you start using the juice shop first. Uh, we, we want to recreate it, make it more accessible, improve on the filtering and also on the performance. So that's one of our GSOC projects. And uh, the other one uh, is done by Ayas, who's doing coding challenges. Now, that is a completely new feature for the juice shop. What I added a couple of months ago is that for some uh, of the hacking challenges, you can click on a button on the scoreboard and then you can see the underlying source code with the vulnerability in the source code, right? And you can, uh, there's a little section where you can hover with the mouse and then uh, it will highlight which lines of this code snippet are responsible for the, for the security breach. And we basically want to extend this so that the, the users can see the code snippet and that's the actual code from the juice shop code base, not some fake or anything. And they have to select the vulnerable line themselves. And if they get it right, then um, they are asked to provide a solution for the for the problem. Uh, we probably will show them like three or four options how to fix the code, and they have to select the best the best one. And if they do it right, they get uh, additional points or additional progress on the scoreboard. We probably will also integrate that with our cheat detection. So if you just randomly click everything, that you you basically know, okay, that's that's not serious. That person didn't seriously try to solve it. And the idea is to make it even more appealing to developers, right? To, because they actually see some code now and not only have to do hacking exercises themselves. Are you going to be showing these at the 20th anniversary presentation or what are you going to do for that? That is basically the plan. So I will definitely show whatever the outcome of those two Google Summer of Code projects is at this uh, presentation. I will also give a maybe like five or 10 minutes uh, introduction into the juice shop in general for those who never used that used it before, but really just very short. And then I will just try to squeeze as many interesting new things that I just mentioned into that into that slide deck, depending on what the time frame for the for the presentations is. So you know, always good to talk to you. I look forward to seeing you, if not in person, virtually in September. It's going to be an exciting celebration. Talk to you. Thank you. The OWASP 20th anniversary celebration is a 24-hour global event featuring sessions from each of the OWASP flagship projects, leaders of the top 10 project, presenters from around the world, and sessions from people who have helped OWASP over the past 20 years. Registration is open and you can't beat the cost. It's free. 
Even if you can't attend, please register so you'll have access to all of the recorded sessions following the conference. For the link, check the show notes here on the podcast. Our program was produced today by Executive Editor Mark Miller. Special thanks to today's guests, Seba Schneider from the Software Assurance Maturity Model, Carlos Hugura and Sven Schleier from the Mobile Security Testing Guide, and Bjorn Kimenich from the Juice Shop Project. You can stream our entire archive of over 160 episodes for free at soundcloud.com slash OWASP dash podcast. That's soundcloud.com slash OWASP dash podcast. The show is available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks as always to our supporters at OWASP and Jupiter One who make this show possible. I'm Mark Miller, and I'll be back with you again next week.